Well, good morning, Bridge. How are you doing today? Oh, that sounds like you're doing pretty good. Well, I, I know all the kids are happy because school's out, and all the parents are sad because school's out. It's always a win-lose proposition there. But anyhow, I hope uh, most of you will be able to take a nice vacation sometime this summer and build some great family memories together. Well, today, I've got a special message that I want to share with those of you who are whacked out with weary or worry. I'll get it right here. Let me say that again. Whacked out with worry. Now, how do you know if you're whacked out with worry? Well, it's because you got something on your head you can't get rid of. And you're going to sleep with it, and you're losing sleep over it, and you're waking up with it, and you're carrying it all day long, and you're not eating, and you're withdrawing from your relationships. If any of that's true of you, you are whacked out on worry. If it's not you, then this is a message that you can take to somebody that you know is whacked out on worry in your life. Two little boys are watching TV. And they're at that time during the, the, the programming where it's all commercials, because they all do it at the same time, so you can't switch channels back and forth. And so they're going through with the remote trying to find a kid's show. And finally, the one older boy stops and says, okay, this one will do. And the younger boy says, well, how do you know this is a kid's show? And he says, well, that's easy. When it's a grown-up show, all the commercials are for upset stomachs and headaches. <laughs> how true is that, right? Albert Einstein, brilliant physicist, said this. Women worry about the things that men forget. And we're sorry we do that to you, ladies, because we forget a lot of things, don't we? On the other hand, men worry about the things women remember. <laughs> That's more troubling to us, I guarantee that. So what's so wrong with worry? Why dedicate an entire message to worry this morning? Well, first of all, worrying is really literally betting against yourself. It really is. When you're worrying, you're saying, I'm a loser. I can't handle this. It's bigger than me. It's betting against yourself. I'm going to get killed. I'm going to get creamed. There's no way out of this. I'm going down this time. You're betting against yourself. Why would you do that? Don't bet against yourself. So what's wrong with it? Well, first of all, it's an exercise in futility. To worry really is an exercise in futility. Mark Twain said this, I'm an old man and I've had many troubles, most of which never happened. It's true, you get, you get what he's saying? In fact, it has statistically been proven that between 92 and 97% of the things that we worry about never happen. Or they never happen the way we think they're going to happen. Think of that, 92 to 97% of the things that we worry about actually never take place. That's why Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. That's Jesus speaking. If Jesus spoke on worry, it must be an important topic for us to consider, right? He goes on to say in Matthew 6, 27, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? In other words, Jesus is saying, worrying is such an exercise in futility. You can't change anything by worrying. Worrying's not going to change the situation. Worrying's not going to add any more time to your calendar. It's not going to add any more money to your bank account. It's not going to take care of a health issue. 
Sin worrying is an exercise in futility. Leo Boscaglia, who was called the love doctor, not because of any romantic thing, but because he did a lot of studies on people who committed suicide. Noted that, that a lot of it was because of anxiety and a lack of love. And, and so he talked about how we can help each other and reach out to each other. He said, worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its joy. See, because it's an exercise in futility. It's not going to change anything. Second, it reveals a lack of faith when we worry. Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was a great poet and essayist and and philosopher in, in American literature, says, Sorrow looks back. Every one of us. How many have things that you wish you would have never done, never would have happened? Yeah, sorrow looks back. It looks back there and say, oh, man, if I could live that over again. Worry looks around. What's going to happen? Oh, there's so many things. Uh, I'm in trouble. Oh, this is bigger than me. Oh, I can't handle this. Faith looks where? Up. See? Sorrow looks back. Worry looks around here. And you can't change what happened before, right? Can't change. Look up. See? It's a lack of faith. Psalm 42, 5. David, who's in a lot of very troubled circumstances at this point in his life, writes this psalm. And then all of a sudden he has an epiphany. And he says, stop, David. And he says in Psalm 42, 5, he says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Then he wakes up and he says, what? Put your hope in God. See? Are you whacked out with worry today? Put your hope in God. Don't live there. It's an exercise in futility, and it's also an evidence that you are not looking to God. You are looking within. Third, it produces negative consequences. It really does. It's been, again, statistically proven that worry creates some very real consequences in our life that are not positive at all. Living, an old American proverb said, in worry invites death in a hurry. It's really true. It's an old proverb. Living in worry invites death in a hurry. I mean, this goes back a long, long ways to the colonial times. And even then, before of all the advancements in psychology and, and therapy and, and mental health and, and, and physical uh, medications and that, They knew it back then, that if you live a life of worry, what you're actually doing is inviting death prematurely. And again, statistics play that out. It destroys our health. Excessive worry and prolonged worry can cause heart disease. It can cause cancer. It can cause high blood pressure. It can cause a host of physical things that will tear us down. One of the big things it does is it spurs on depression. See, because we're focused inward. And we're thinking inward. And we're obsessed with with this challenge in our life. And as we think more and more and more and more about it, we start this spiral descent into depression. And depression, if unchecked, takes us to where that old American proverb was talking about We saw that in the lives of two beautiful people this week. 
Kate Spade, 55 years old, successful fashion designer. Just this past year, in 2017, she sold her brand to Coach for $2.4 billion. And that was after several through the years, multi-million dollar deals in selling shares of her company. Anthony Bourdain, I used to love to watch this show as he went to different parts of the world and tried out different foods and all that. He too, this past week, a couple days after Kate, who hung herself in her bedroom with a scarf, he hung himself in his hotel room with his bathrobe belt. See, someplace, something led them to despair, to depression where they thought, there is no hope anymore and I can't bear this pain anymore. And by the way, if you're whacked out with weary, weary, or worry and you're thinking today, if I just had some more money, if I just had that job promotion, if I just had, they had it all. Amen. See? They had it all. It's not what's going to get you where you want to be. It produces negative consequences. So how do we get to where we want to be? How do we win out over worry? Well, understand this about the load that you're carrying. It's not the load that breaks you. It's the way you carry it. Now, let me say that again let me, so you understand it. It's not the load that breaks you. It's not the circumstances you're dealing with that will break you, that will bring you down. It's the way you carry that load. It's what you do with those circumstances that will break you down. So what do we need to do with that thousand-pound burden of anxiety on our back this morning? What do we need to do with it? First, we need to trust God with tomorrow, right? We need to trust God. Mahatma Gandhi said this, There is nothing that wastes the body like worry. And one who has any faith in God, he says, should be ashamed to worry about anything whatsoever. For people of faith, and let's be people of faith, amen? Amen. That same passage, Jesus talks about worry in this whole passage, Matthew chapter 6. And he says in verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Where's most of our worry? It's tomorrow. It's what's going to happen tomorrow when I go back to work. It's what's going to happen tomorrow with my job. It's what's going to happen tomorrow with my go to the doctor. What's going to happen? He says, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. He says, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Amen. Let's just deal with today. And let's take another step in the right direction today, because that's all we know we have. He goes on to say, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or weep or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more, are you more, are you not much more valuable than they? Basically, Jesus is saying, listen, if God taking care of everything else around here, even the little birds that fly in the sky... Don't you know that he's more invested in you as his prized creation? You are, he created you above the the birds of the air, above the beast of the field, above the animal life, marine life in the oceans, in the ponds, in the lakes. 
You are the pinnacle of his creation. He created you to have fellowship with you. Don't you think for a second that he's not going to take care of you? Trust God with tomorrow. Two, do something with today. You got to do something with today. What happens when we allow worry to overtake us? It paralyzes us. You know, what, what you're doing, you, 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 some of you who are obsessed and whacked out with worry today, if it weren't for a plan that you're going to go home with today, you'd have gone home and you'd have sat down in that chair and you'd just let those scenarios spin, 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 spin. Someone say, hey, come on, let's go out to lunch. No, no, I don't want to go out to lunch. Uh, hey, let's, um, hey, there's this great movie coming. Um, it just paralyzes us. It isolates us, see? Do something with today. Hebrews 3.13 says, Be in, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Do something with today. Encourage each other today. You know someone who's whacked out with worry, encourage them today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Attack your worry with activity. Again, get out of that chair and do something. Say what? Almost anything. Go see a movie. Go read a book. Go out with a friend. Do something that is not going to keep your mind focused on whatever the challenge is before you. Do not allow yourself to be consumed with it. Dale Carnegie says this, stop worrying and what? Start what? Come on, man, you got life today. You don't know if you're going to have it tomorrow. You don't know what the quality of it. You might not be able to go out and see a movie tomorrow. You not be able to go see that friend because that friend may be gone tomorrow. You may not be able to make that phone call next week. Do it today. That's what you've got. And use it productively. One thing will help if you're whacked out with worry is exercise. It really, it really works. I know because I turn to this. When, when, when I start getting whacked out with worry, and we all get whacked out with worry, it's not, the, it's not an issue of if it'll happen to us, it's when it happens to us again. We need to have a plan when it does. And exercise is a great way. Now listen to me. If you haven't seen the inside of a gym in 25 years, you've got to be careful with this now. Don't go down there and join up a gym you know, for, and get on that treadmill and stick it up like that high and put it on full speed. You won't be worried for long. You'll be dead. <laughs> what you want to do is you want to get out and exercise. One of the best things you can do is walk. Just walk briskly. Get out there and walk for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Just get out there and wait till the cool night. Don't do it in the heat of the day and all the humidity. But get, just get out there and walk. It's demonstrated, it's shown, it's proven statistically that if you will walk briskly for between 20 and 30 minutes, your brain will begin creating a chemical called endorphin. And if you don't know what endorphin is, endorphins charge us. They give us a feeling of well-being, a sense of stability. They, they give us that little zip that some people turn to drugs for. Well, your body will give you a natural drug, and it's called endorphin. And you get it just with a little investment of exercise. Here's the beautiful thing about endorphin. Once you get the endorphins working and going in your body, your brain continues to produce them long after you've stopped exercising. So you give a little investment of exercise for about 20 to 30 minutes, and you might experience endorphin for hours, a sense of well-being, 
a sense of being back in control just by exercising. Jettison your junky input. That's huge. If you're whacked out with worry, the last thing you need is input that exaggerates that worry. Get out of those negative TV programs. Get out of those negative news articles. Get away from those very draining people. You know, we have two kinds of people in our life usually. Thank you. We have VIPs and we have VDPs. Now, VIPs are very inspiring people. And, and, and there's a, those are those folks, man, you just, you just see them and you, you just want to be with them because they're positive and they're inspiring and they're up. And when you, when you, when you, talk, you just say, hey, yo, can we go have lunch together? Then there's the very draining people, you know. They invite you to lunch, and you're sitting there at the table, and they're just going on, on, on. And, you, you know, I mean, you start at lunch at 1 o'clock, and you just went as long as you can possibly go, and you look at your watch, and it's like 1.10. <laughs> you know? I mean, you, you, you've got to manage. When you're in a very volatile position because you're whacked out with worry, you've got to manage the input because if you don't, you're going to take stuff in that's just going to make you spiral faster down. See, Jesus understood this. In the same passage where Jesus is talking about worry, he says in Matthew 6, verse 22 through 23, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, what you allow to enter your eye gate, the things that you see, the things that you read, the movies that you watch, the, the newspaper th things that you read. And he would go on to say the things you hear, the things you allow to, yourself to hear. Those are either going to fill you with light, encouragement, re reaffirmation, hope, or what the other, they're going to do the other is they're going to fill you with darkness, and what Jesus is saying here, he's saying this, if you allow that darkness to accumulate enough, that darkness is going to become really great. It's going to become the factor that is controlling your thoughts and your action and your behaviors. See, that's the darkness that got into Kate Spade. That's the darkness that got into Anthony Bourdain. And that darkness became so great that they couldn't see any light. And when you don't see light, you lose hope. And when you don't see light, you start thinking about doing desperate things. And let me, let, me, let me just pause here and say this. If you're in that position today, in and, and, and any way, shape, or form, you, you, you've been thinking about taking the same kind of action that Kate and Anthony took this week, let me plead with you. Let me beg you not to stay there. It, that, that false hope or that false, that, that loss of hope that you're experiencing is satanic. He's the one putting those thoughts in your head because he wants to take you down. That's not Jesus talking to you. That's not the Holy Spirit talking to you. See, Jesus said, you got to watch what you, what you allow inside. 
So one thing you can do is instead of focusing on all that and filling yourself up with all that is redirect your worries. Redirect them. Do something beside worrying. Say, well, what do I do? Let me, let me tell you one of the greatest things you can do. Philippians tells us about it. Philippians 2, verse 3 through 4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, this is a general formula for living life with joy and peace and satisfaction. But particularly when you're in a dark place, this is so helpful. Get your mind off yourself and redirect it to doing something for somebody else. You know, there have been times in my life where I've been driving down the road, and you, unfortunately today you've got to be really careful, more careful about these times, but I'd see someone broken down by the side of the road with a flat tire, especially if it was a woman. And there have been numerous times when I've stopped and got out of my car and went back and, and, and fixed the tire for the lady and put the you know, all the stuff back in the trunk and many times they've offered me money and I've never accepted money because that's not why I was doing it. But let me tell you something about those experiences for me and other experiences like them. I I, I absolutely know that there has never been one time where I've done something for somebody else like that where I haven't been more blessed than they have. Not one time. See, because God has just wired us for service. God has wired us not to be consumed with ourselves, but to be consumed with other people and to live our life in such a way that we're a blessing to other people, live ourselves in such a way that we lift other people up and we encourage other people. And when we're not doing that, we become very, very prone to isolating ourselves, withdrawing in, and obsessing with whatever's going on in our lives. So if you're whacked out with worry today, redirect that By doing something with today, some activity, and one of the best things you can do is reach out to somebody else and encourage them. Now, don't reach out to a very draining person. (laughs) And don't you be a very draining person. Reach out to a very inspiring person, and you be that inspiring person to someone else. Redirect your worries. Fourth, practice thanksgiving. You know, when negative circumstances invade our life, sometimes it's difficult to be thankful for our lives at that time. But one of the greatest protections against the devastating results of excessive worry is just to be thankful. Revisit your memorials. Say, well, what do you mean? Let me ask you something. Have you ever been through a hard time before the one you're going through right now? Let me ask you another question. Has God brought you through it? Has he brought you through that one? All right, so whether you know it or not, you have a series of memorials, of experiences that you can relate back to, that you can return to, and, and, and that you can thank God for. Psalm 77, 11. David said, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. In other words, the psalmist is saying this. He's saying, you've been good to me before. And I'm not going to be afraid of today. Because I'm going to look back in my life at the times you have been there for me before. 
Because I can remember another time back there when I thought this one's it. There, there's no way out of this one. This one's too big. This one's too, too great. This one's too powerful. And yet you brought me through it somehow. Some way, through some person, through some resource, through something. God, all of a sudden, you brought me through it. Now, if God has done that for you in the past, why would you think he won't do it now? Why do you think he wouldn't do it now? He didn't love you more then than he does now. You say, well, now it's because of my sin. Oh, it's always because of something you've done, stupid. <laughs> he gets it. We don't get it right. And that doesn't bother him. He loves you. Remember what he's done. And thank him. Say, God, thank you that you brought me through that. Thank you that you brought me through that one. Thank you that you brought me through this experience. Because I know you're going to do it again. Moms, if you remember on Mother's Day, our Mother's Day gift to you this year was a journal. And I encourage you to journal your life with Christ over the next year between Mother's Day. Are you doing it? See, we should journal. Because when we write these things down, we have something material that we can go back to and open up and remind ourselves how gracious God has been. And that will give us the confidence and the hope that he's going to do it again. Retrace your roots. See where God has taken you in the past. Psalm 37, 25. I was young and now I'm old. You have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. God's going to take care of you. Finally, build a faith team. Build a faith team. If I've learned anything, and I'm kind of dense, so it's hard for me to learn a lot, is this. I can't do life by myself. Now, I'm tempted to because I'm an introvert. Now, I'm, you know, some of you say, oh, you can't be an introvert. Yeah, I, I am. It's true. I recharge my batteries by some alone time. I got to get away. It's just, just how God wired me. Nothing wrong with that. Some of you are introverts. Nothing wrong with that. You're not a mutant. You're not a, a malfunctioning person. Some of you are extroverts, and you refresh yourself by being around people. Stella and I are the opposite. I'm an introvert, she's an extrovert. If she's not around people for a while, she starts getting buggy. If I'm around two people too much, I get buggy. And we're opposites, and that's been a challenge in our relationship, let me tell you. <laughs> but you gotta build a team. You gotta, you gotta have a team to make it through life. And if your team is filled with very draining people, you wanna guess what the result is gonna be? We talk here at the bridge about doing life together. And one of the places we do that is our small groups. If you're not in a small group, especially now if you're in a very volatile situation, a very uh, dangerous situation where you're dealing with some significant challenges and you're, you're, you're feeling yourself withdrawing and pulling inside instead of reaching out, go out to the Next Step booth and get in a life group. Serve in a ministry regularly. You gotta get yourself around people. Proverbs 12, 25 says, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word, word cheers him up. See, it's so true. An anxious heart wears us down. We've seen that over and over again today. An encouraging word can change all that. But if you're not around anybody who's ever giving you an encouraging word and all your input is negative, 
Where's it going to go? It's going down, down, down. Where are you going to go? Down, down, down. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Why would we ever be in a situation where we don't have somebody to pick us up? The vast majority of the time, it's because we haven't positioned ourselves around other people. We've withdrawn ourselves. We've isolated ourselves. And when we fall, we have isolated ourselves so much that no one knows we fell. It's not that there's not people out there that will help lift us up, that would care about us and, and, and care about our, our condition. We have so withdrawn, we have so isolated ourselves that they don't know about it. See, if, if you're in that position, it's because you've isolated yourself. And the remedy to that is break that isolation. Get in a life group, serve in a ministry, get around some inspiring people. Don't try to live and do life by yourself. Life is too big for that. It's too powerful for that. I need you. You need the person next to you. We need each other. That's why Hebrews says, do not forsake this, the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. See, you'll get down as you start isolating more and more. You know what you're going to do? You're not going to come to church anymore. You're just going to sit at home. And how beneficial, how helpful is that going to be? You're not around God's word. You're not around God's people. You're not around praise. It's just going to pull you down further and further and further. Whacked out with worry? There's no need to stay there. Whether or not you stay whacked out with worry or you begin to move beyond that, is your choice. Trust God with tomorrow. Do something with today. Don't waste today. Use today in some productive, some inspiring, some helpful way. Redirect your worries and reach out to somebody else. Practice thanksgiving. Build a faith team. I love this anonymous quote. It says this, don't Worry. Why should I not worry? God is never blind to your tears. Thank you, God, that that's true. He's never blind to your tears. The shortest verse in the Bible, in the New Testament, has two words in it. Tell me what those two words are. Jesus wept. And why did Jesus weep? Because he wasn't blind to the tears of Mary and Martha and all those who were grieving the death of Lazarus. He just saw them and they were, they were just consumed with grief. And Jesus wept with them, knowing he was going to raise Lazarus. See, Jesus, when he sees your tears, he's not blind to them. says he's never deaf to your prayers. If you pray, he'll hear your prayer. You say, oh, I've sinned, and yes, he'll still hear your prayer. Sin's not a barrier to prayer, except on your end. If you're living in willful sin, 
You, you, you won't feel confident that he's listening to your prayer, but it doesn't change the fact that he is listening to your prayer. He'll never turn a deaf ear to you. Never silent to your pain. God's never going to put his hands on his hips and say, you got yourself into this and you deserve it. Just suffer. He's never going to be silent to his pain. He's always, he's always going to do something. Now, now look at this last part of this. I love this little, last little phrase. He hears, and read it with me, and he's never too far. He's never too far. If you're hurting this morning, how far away is God? Let me give you the answer. How far away is God? He's as close as the mention of his name. That's how far away he is. He's as close as the mention of his name. God, he's there. Jesus, he's there. That's how far away he is. But why do we sense that he's further away? Because we don't reach out to him. And if we don't reach out to him, he can't be there with his presence, with his spirit. Proverbs 5, verse 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord. Read it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Will you own that? Will you own it? Write that verse down. Put it on your phone. Do whatever. Do, this is good input. Let's read it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that that's true. God, the antidote to our destructive worry is you, is trusting you, not leaning on our own understanding, not trying to figure it all out ourselves, but leaning on you, waiting patiently for your response living in thanksgiving, knowing that you've rescued us before and you'll rescue us again. Surrounding ourselves with, with people of, who are inspiring and encouraging, people we can pray with and people we can talk with and process with. God, you have given us so many tools so that we will not be pulled down into the pit of despair. Help us to use the tools we've received today. God, don't let us stay in that pit. Pull us out of it. Let us leave this place today with a new bounce to our step, with new hope in our hearts, and with a plan to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.